We uh, are celebrating our 400th episode of Cantina Mekis. I know it's gone through a few different names. The OGs will call it uh, Cachirules. Uh, then it went to uh, Dos Acero. And, and now we have uh, Cantina Mekis. And then, and then Dos A Uno. Dos A Uno? Briefly. Brief. Yeah, because they broke. It broke. It broke the. It was with under Osorio. Yeah. And they end up winning uh, at Columbus, I believe. And I think that was the score. So we had to switch it up. But the 2 0 no longer made sense. Because it had to do with the Columbus. Um, yeah, so 400 episodes have come and gone. And I mean, you guys, we, I was like thinking about it today. I was like, damn, man, that's, that's a lot of hours put into this. And uh, we're still here. We're still alive and kicking stronger than ever. Uh, there was somebody on on Reddit that had mentioned, uh, you know, why'd you guys change the name? Like, I forgot his name, dude, but he he actually, oh, Alex Torres. He said, yeah, you know, no need to spoon feed pochos. You guys should have kept it as cachirules. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, that's the thing, that's the thing. And, and, you know, and I just, I learned this through you, Jaime, because... Uh, once you change how we hosted the podcast and we got to see how many people listen and from where they listen to. And it was just, you know, eye-opening to see people listening from different parts of the world. And at first I thought it was like a joke, like a meme, or you know. And uh, and then when we started doing the the Twitter Live, we actually had callers from those places. Um, you know, that have listened to it joining in. And so that was one of the other things was like, there's always like new listeners and, and can't keep explaining what the name means. And even a lot of people, there are Mexicans uh, or Mexican-Americans don't even know Cachirules. They don't even know what that means. You know, it's, it's um, I'll say it really quick. I'm, uh, yeah, go ahead. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, Ron, since Ron, Ron is like talking about the 80s, he probably got to see, he probably got to see the show, but there was a kid's show in Mexico and they did skits and they did like, uh, you know, skits on fairy tales and whatnot and, and different. And one of the actors would play, uh, he would play a character called Cachirulo, who was a kid. And I think it was a Pinocchio type kid, but it was a grown dude playing the role of a kid. And so that's kind of where the name came from, where it's like, uh, I, I believe in that squad that got, you know, caught for cheating. One of the players had that nickname because he looked old. And I wrote, well, I don't even, I have to check, I have to double check. So I don't know if he was one of the overage players, but that used to be a joke. I don't know if it was amongst the players. They call him El Cachirulo. And uh, and then when they broke out that they, all these, a lot of these guys were overage, that was just an easy, uh, you know, it was easy just for the media to go Cachirules. And so that was sort of like the inside joke for us. You had someone old pretending to be... Um, to be a kid, and we were like pretending to be... Like journalist or or ah, okay. you know radio host and stuff, and that was sort of like the inside joke. 
even though we did end up doing what, you know, well, some of us had already been doing it, but for the majority, all ended up covering games and doing interviews. I mean, even Pern got to interview or ask a question to uh, Klinsman. To Jurgen Klinsman. <laughs> so you go from pretending to actually doing doing some of this stuff, and uh, that was was part. This part was made of fun. Absolutely. Uh, we wouldn't be here without the listeners and we appreciate y'all over the years. Um, you know, we mentioned about the geographic locations, 93% in the States, 3% in, in Mexico, 2% in Canada. And then we have a bunch of uh, less than 1% in the UK, Germany, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Spain, France, Argentina, Japan, Colombia, Singapore, Australia, Brazil, Peru, Philippines, Hungary, Guatemala. I could keep going. Um, it goes as far as Qatar, Bangladesh, Croatia, Thailand, the Dutch East Indies. So we're we're worldwide. We are worldwide. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been an incredible ride, and uh, you know, happy to obviously discuss the current events that happened today. Uh, we had Mexico have two friendlies over the winter, over the friendly break. Uh, a tie against Australia, a tie against uh, Uzbekistan, and then we also have some um, some other pending things from last week. You know, Marcelo Flores. I think that's going to be a good, good conversation, and then the upcoming Super Clasico. Um, but I wanted to start with y'all, the OGs, man. Like, well, out of out of the four hundred episodes, is there anyone that comes to mind, or maybe one of your favorite moments on on Cantina? That uh, one I mentioned um, with with um, Fernando asking Klinsman about the bunker ball, that was hilarious, dude. <laughs> I don't know if Ron has any any moment that comes to mind. Uh, I have to I have to agree with uh, with Hoyley on there. Uh, <laughs> Having Pern ask uh, Klinsman about the bunker ball and then just seeing, you know, Klinsman's face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. We got to find a link of that. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it countless times. It's just so funny. It's like giving someone a backhanded compliment, you know? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like hey, you guys are playing really shitty and it seems to be working. Is that going to be your strategy moving forward? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He's like, he's just like, no. Yeah, and, and you know, for the record, that wasn't our intention because we've, we've always been respectful of, um, you know, when we go to games and, and do interviews and, and, and at the press box and, 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 at, and, you know, press conference and all that. But this guy, man, he had no filter and he, he would just, we would tell him like, like you know, like don't troll people or, or stuff. And he just he didn't care, man. He was gonna. Yeah, he was gonna he do was it. Gonna turn, yeah, like I said, you know, going back on that. I mean, we've always been. You know, every time we go to the games and stuff like that, we was like, you know, just we're not we're not the story. You know, we're we're just there to cover a game. We're there to take pictures. You know, we're there to you know cover the 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 crowd and stuff like that. So. And, you know, you know, some of us just, some of us go as press, some of us go as, you know, uh, photographers, 
I've always I've always preferred to go there just as a photographer because I just like just I've always enjoyed just you know watching the game you know through the lens, and it's and it's funny because you know one of the things you know when you're like you know on the pitch, or even even if you're even if you're taking photographs from the like from the from the from the stands, it's like you're so focused just on 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 like you know what you're what you're trying to shoot, and. And it's funny because I've seen, like, for example, I've seen games that that I, you know, where I was there taking photographs, and then like years later, I watched the match, like on a rerun or whatever, and I'm like, shit, I don't remember this. What was this, you know? Yeah. So that's that's always, you know, it's fun because it's always fun, you know, watching that. That for me, that's always been fun. But yeah, man, it's, can't believe. It. I mean, we've been doing this for for a long time now. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I want to thank y'all. I mean, I was uh, just a wee lad on the big soccer uh, Mexico forums, got invited to the the cantina group and then, uh, you know, started off as just, a, you know, as a, as a, just another, another guy on the podcast. And then you guys asked me to host and hey, it's been a privilege and an honor. Uh, it's been really, really fun. And uh, the numbers speak for themselves. We've just been growing and growing and, uh, yeah, thank you guys for the opportunity, and uh, definitely agree with you, Ron. As far as like you know, going to the matches as a photographer, it's uh, such a surreal feeling. You're so focused on capturing the moment and and not losing it that you totally forget about the game. And uh, when you look at highlights on TV, you're like, oh shit, I was there. Like what the? F I was just there. Like, and they're over here talking about it, and you're like, dude, that's crazy. It's so crazy. And uh, being able to capture like moments in history, you know, those things. You have a split second to catch it, you know, and it's like that's it. You either you either got it or you, or you didn't. It's like you're tr you're trying to anticipate, you know, and, and that's you're trying to anticipate, you know, the the, the game and how they're going to play and stuff like that. Because like for me, sometimes when I was like, for example, when I covered the World Cups and stuff like that, I would meet some of the photographers and they they were just miserable. They just for them it was just a job, and I understand. I mean, I understand yeah. it, but it is a job. But like, you know, and then I would meet other other photographers, you know, a lot of guys, you know, guys that had covered, you know, Olympics and, you know, just so, so many events and stuff like that. And those are the guys that I like to learn from because, um, you know, they say, you know, when you learn, you know, the, you know, the team, their tactics and stuff like that, you, you'll be a better photographer because you'll be able to anticipate, you know, the, the side of the field that they're going to attack on or they're going to defend on and, and stuff like that. So, again, that's for me, that's always been fun. Yeah, and I, I know like um, I've I've had situations uh, where I went to uh, cover Nations League in Denver at the Mile High Stadium, and a lot of the photographers there just you know they they covered the Broncos, and it was like their first time covering like soccer, and like you could tell like they weren't really good at reading the plays, and they were missing a lot of shots, and uh, actually and probably like using the wrong lens too. So it's it's very interesting how like you know. You, us being like a fan of the game, we we know how to read the game and, and know how to anticipate those kind of moments. And it takes it takes a lot of practice, you know. It takes a lot of practice to to get good, and and not to miss those moments. But uh, yeah, are you gonna go to that Germany game, uh, the Germany friendly in, in Philadelphia? Unfortunately, I'm not. Uh, my my kid brother is gonna be a first time father. Oh, nice. Uh, so I'm actually gonna go out of. I'm gonna be out of town. Oh, okay. I'm basically going to spend about a month, month, a month and a half with my, with my family out, you know, so I'm going to, I'm not going to be in the Philly region. 
Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so uh, Mexico announced that they're going to have uh, two last friendlies to end the season or end the year, I guess. Uh, the game in Philly, which was already announced. And then there's going to be a game on December 18th, if I'm not mistaken, against Colombia at the Memorial Stadium in Los Angeles. So last two uh, opportunities for the fans all over North America to see uh, Mexico play uh, these Moleto games that have been uh, they've been hard to watch. You know, today we had a, a, a very interesting match against Uzbekistan. I don't think the Mexican national team gave them any kind of respect. And very quickly, we were down 1-0. Tied the game very quickly with Raul Jimenez, finally scoring a goal in live play. He, all his goals previously had been through penalty kicks. And then uh, then we're up 2-1, I think. No, we're down 2-1 before halftime. Then 2-2, then 3-2. And then just when the game was about to end, Guillermo Ochoa, man, se la comió. And, and the game ends 3-3 in, an, in a very uh, a bad, sour taste in, in everyone's mouth. And I think the fans were, were not happy with, with the two friendlies that, that happened uh, in, the la in the last few days. I don't know what you guys feel about Jimmy Lozano. It, it does look bad. Uh, five goals in two games uh, against opponents that, uh, you know, lower caliber. So, it, it, But, I mean, that's what these games are for, friendly games, to try out players, try out tactics. I don't put that much stock in it. I see people already losing their shit. Um, but I think if you if you if you're not gonna like this is this is the type of game where you're gonna try out things. Not not an important match here in Copa America. You're gonna say, "Oh, let's see, let's see if this works out." I don't know, man. I was looking at today's game, and it was it was pretty bad. There was a play by Tiba Sepulveda, who has gotten a lot of criticism. You know, a lot of people think that he's not good enough to play for the national team, that he's just like a, you know, kind of like an Hector Reynoso, makes a lot of stupid mistakes. And this is the first time I've ever seen this happen, bro. I've never seen a player take a tackle, like diving head first, bro. Like, who does that, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was something else today. And then you know you had that really weird goal from um, Antuna. You know the ref the def defender was just trying to clear it, and Antuna sticks his leg out and it deflects and it goes in the back of the net. It was just like a weird goal. And um, you know I don't know if teams watch tape, but all you need to do to defend Antuna is to anticipate his cut. And then that's it, bro. You you take his lunch money every single time. He does that move every single time, and I don't understand how defenders fall for it every single he's, time. Good enough. He's going to be in the second World Cup, Jaime. To all his uh, detractors and haters. He, he, I'm pretty sure he will. Dude, if Antuna makes it to the next World Cup, estamos jodidos, man. I think at this point, it's only like injury. Like, uh, <clears throat> yeah, all I know is that we're regressing, right? We had uh, Chucky Lozano return to PSV after his stint in Napoli. And Tecatito has returned to Rayados. So, you know, our two most talented wingers, I guess, are, are regressing. Um, the good news is we do have some, like, fresh blood, right? We had Chino Huerta. 
make his professional Mexican debut uh, for the national team against Australia, and he got the game tying goal off a of one off a of volley, which was uh, a perfect way to to debut for the national team. And then he actually got to start today, and then they took his lunch money, man. Almost every time he did get a nutmeg. Um, but that was basically it. You know, I think like the, through the end of cast was really riding him hard and, and praising this guy, but it's like, yo, we gotta, we gotta slow down, you know, calling him the Mexican, you know, Mo Salah and stuff. It's like, we do this every time, bro. We, we always hype up these players and, and for what, man? Like they're pretty, they're pretty average. Same thing with, yeah, that, uh, Sorry, same thing with that one kid, uh, Cortizo, who's making his debut at 27 years of age. That's a little, that's a little alarming. Yeah, that's well, always if, if, if he can turn, if he can turn into a matador, who was a late bloomer, you know, by all means do so. You know, because here, here's the thing: I understand, I understand perfectly about hey, you know, in an ideal world, you know. Um, like I, for example, I remember Ruggeri when he was uh, coaching Chivas. I remember he was, you know, giving an interview, and he was saying how, like, you know, uh, in Argentina, you know, they would say, you know, he, they would tell the, the the young, you know, kids over there, you know, if you're not playing, you know, at 17 or at least, you know, on the first team, you know, go take some English classes and go take some computer classes and, and, and prepare yourself for the future because you know you're not going to have a life in football. Damn. Yeah, I mean, he kind of, in a way, he, yeah, he did. He said, uh, learn to code, you know? But, uh, but I remember, I remember him talking, you know, talking about that. And I mean, I understand, you know, where he was coming from and, and what he was trying to convey and stuff like that. But I've, I've, I've always kind of, you know, if I'm not mistaken, was it Menotti or Bilardo? One of those two, but one of them, you know, used to say that I don't believe in the whole, you know, uh, old, you know, good player, you know, like old players, young players. I said, you're either good or you're bad, you know? So I personally, like I said, if a kid debuts at 18 or he debuts at 27, if he's productive, he's productive, you know? Um, so I, 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 I'm, I don't, I really don't care if the guy debuted, you know, at that age, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, like I said, if he could have like a run, like a, 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 a matador where, you know, he's, he became more productive and even for, and even what's his name? Uh, El Hermoso. Was his name? Had been playing though. No, yeah, he was. He was. He, he was a. He was a journey. I mean, he was a journeyman. You know, yeah. but he didn't. Uh, I mean, he was a journeyman, just like you know, El Hermoso Peralta. I mean, he was also a journeyman, but you know, he kind of became a superstar later on. And, and again, that's for me. That that's that's okay, uh, because like. You know, we're not Argentina. You know, we're not the Argentine league and stuff like that. We don't. We're we're an importing uh, league. You know, so it's always. It's, it's, also it's, run the, the competition when he was coming up. No, but but here's the, the thing: the players that there were available, it was just you know, it was that much more difficult compared to now, where um, Mihaime keeps questioning why Antuna's still there. Um, if you look at some of the players that that were, you know, Hermosillo, Sage. Hugo Sanchez, yeah. Luis Garcia, uh, Pelayas, it's, it's a, a lot of players. There were more players than that. Um, Michelle Espinosa, uh, who's Daniel Guzman. I, I, I know, I get it. Trust me, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm still convinced that, you know, the, 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 the 80s or the, the 90s, 
late eighties and early nineties, you know, Mexican player was probably the best that we've ever had. And we've kind of stagnated a little, even though we have players in Europe that on paper say, Hey, you know, technically they're supposed to be better. I, I still don't see it. I, I still think that, you know, we haven't been able to produce what we had, you know, even 10 years from what we had 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, you know, I, mean, uh, I'm, I think I'm, you, uh, I'm, real, real quick, the Luis Hernandez thing, funny that you mentioned his debut for the national team was also at 27. So yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty crazy. It, it is. Yeah. And, and unfortunately that's, that's been common in Mexico where, I mean, you know, pl- you know, players, you know, start to get into their own, you know, past 24, 25. And, and again, I said, that's okay. You know, because keep in mind, we're, we're an importing league. We've always been an importing league, you know, uh, and, you know, it's always going to be tougher for the Mexican player because, I mean, he's having to go compete against the best, you know, the best Mexican players, but also very, very good, you know, foreign players, you know, at least back then. I mean, even to this point, it's, you know, now, um, but I mean, like I said, you know, back then, you know, you know, and I've, we've, we've spoken about this on the podcast, how, you know, the foreigners back then were a little better than what we had now. But the problem is now there's so many of them, you know, whereas back then there was only like, you know, four or five per team, you know. Um, and, and, it's, and it's funny because, you know, when we had, hmm. you know, when we, when we had better foreign players, you know, we had, you know, there was a limit, there was a cap and it gradually went up. It went from three to five, you know. Uh, but I, I wonder if I just, 27 is our lucky number, because I just checked uh, another player, Uribe Peralta. And he he started scoring goals with us in 2011, and he was already uh, 27 at that age. So, again, again, it's just how things roll sometimes in Mexico, just because of uh, of the circumstances. Um, Late and always, and always, Well, I mean, keep in mind. I mean, you, you, it it makes sense. I mean, it, it makes sense why Mexico has always really had a you know has always been had good keepers and good defenders. Because as you know, we were importing players, and for the most part, the players that you really import are usually you know from the middle to 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 the forward position, right? So you know, and and uh, and I've and I've said this before, and I've and I've said this before, where you know, in theory, a team a team like Chivas who plays all Mexicans should, in theory, produce more of Mexico's uh, forwards and, and attacking midfielders. But that hasn't been the case. It's always been usually Pumas, America, Chivas, historically, that produce, you know, Mexico's best, you know, offensive-minded players. And the reason being is because, I've, as I've always said, competition breeds competition. So when you have that young player from, you know, from Pumas and that young player from uh, Cruz Azul, that young player from America, who's not only competing against the best Mexican players in the country, he's having to also play against, you know, the, the, the South Americans. And compete uh, and compete against them. It's no surprise, you know. I will say but, though, uh, um, you know, we're in modern times now. The game has evolved. The game's moving at a lot f- faster pace. We have technology now. We have access to all this data. We have access to tape and all that stuff. And I feel like you know, it's uh, the rest of the world is moving a lot quicker than we are. Not you know, thinking twice about debuting, you know, young players. And I think the game has globalized, right? And and uh, unfortunately, 
we're always constantly trying to compare ourselves to the rest of the world, right? Like in Spain, right? There's a kid who already scored a goal. He's 16 years old, already, you know, making his debut for the national team. And I saw a fact today that like the last time we debuted someone at 17 years of age, it was Luis Ernesto Perez, right? So I, I think the, the, the Mexican, the modern Mexican fan, the new generation, we just feel like we're at a disadvantage because we're not seeing our young players flourish. We're seeing them rot on the bench and we're giving minutes to people that are over the hill, like, you know, your Hector Herrera's, your, your Guillermo Ochoa's. And there's no, like, you know, end in sight of these guys, like, stepping out and giving opportunities to the young kids. I think that's the whole, like, turmoil right now with, with the fans. Yeah, I'm misled. Well, I'm misled by the media a lot of times. Not in a lot of the countries that they, they do young players, a lot of times they do it because they don't have, you know, they don't have much of a choice. Um, and, and a lot of times they're looking at the long term for their team to be ready in eight years or in five, supposed to, you know, in the moment type of thing. Um, it, it's true. And, go, and going back to what Holy said about the media sometimes just blowing this out of proportion, and, and, and you can tell that they are blowing out of proportion and that they haven't really analyzed it properly because when you look at, when you look at, at the elite – you know, the, I'm talking. You know, when I'm saying the, you know, the elite, I'm talking about Germany. I'm talking Argentina. I'm talking Brazil and stuff like that. And you see their rosters from one World Cup to another. You know, anywhere, anywhere from fifty to seventy percent of of the players. It's not. It's not like they're. It's. It's a new. You know, it's a brand new squad every other four years. A lot of these players are doing two, three uh, World Cups. So, it, so I mean, it's not. It's. 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 I think the Mexican media is over, you know, overplaying this about, you know, hey, we're, you know, the, the, the what is it, the sacred cows and stuff like that. We need to get, you know, we need to renew the team and stuff like that. That's not just a Mexico problem. That's that's a global problem. Because, like I said, you can you can you can analyze those 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 squads, and go back, you know, the the 2018 World Cup, the 20, you know, the the the, the 14 and stuff like that, and you'll see those teams so strong, you know, even even like the elite teams and even the ones that are right below where you'll see a bunch of those players. Like I said, they play two, three world cups. And if, if they can do it, if they, if, I mean, if, if, if the argument is saying that, you know, we're, we're still using players from 12 years ago, like the Chicharitos and stuff like that, you know, but if Germany can do it, and I, and I know I understand that Germany is a bad example right now because they're, they're just, they're, after Mexico basically gave them the Chile Nacional, uh, <laughs> it's been downhill for them, you know. Uh, but but I mean, but, it does show it, it does show how the game has changed, to where it's more competitive, and even teams that aren't historically known, um, like in this case Uzbekistan, can now, you know, can now put put forth a competitive game. As opposed to you know before when they would get squashed you know and, and because these were teams that were basically just starting from zero and and now it's like even Saudi you Arabia you know in the World Cup they beat but, but, here, here, but here's the thing here's the thing though and and we yeah we played Australia we played we played uh, uh, Uzbekistan and stuff like that. But really, does anybody, does anybody, and this is, and this is where the analysts really need to, 
do their jobs. And, in, and I'm sorry, but in the Mexican media, they don't. Most of, and, and, it's, and it's been like this since I can remember. When Mexico plays against a, a quote-unquote lesser opponent, we don't know anything about them. You know? We don't know, we don't know who, where their players play from. You know, uh, and we expect we expect that Mexico should you know should basically you know just roll over them you know just and just beat the shit out of them, and it's not like they're that just anymore. Going off of the, they're just going off of the name. Yeah, they're just going off the, the name, and it's like no, these guys are professionals, and 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 in in reality, and this is one of the things that prior to like the exodus of twenty you know two thousand six, where you know you started to get more Mexican players abroad. You know, one of the things that helped that would help Mexico out in the, in the global stage is that most of the players who played domestically, they played together. And, you know, at many times, like the teams like from South America or even Europe that didn't know much about Mexico or didn't know about their leagues and stuff like that, they'd get their fucking asses in handed to them. And, they, and, and it's like, whoa, who the hell are these guys? And, and, yeah. and sometimes you have to, I mean, you have was... to wonder, you have to. It was evident today, man. These guys do not play with each other, especially the center backs, man. They they look completely out lost. Yeah, and and like I said, you know, and sometimes it's because it's a combination of. Well, I mean, let's just face it. Right now, Mexico does suck, but it's also, I, I grant, I I understand that these, you know, Australia. Although, you know, a lot of the players play, you know, you know, they, they their league has gone a lot better. Like, their their league has improved a lot. Uh, you know, they have a lot of players playing, you know, internationally and stuff like that. So playing against Australia and getting that 2-2. Now, technically, I understand that, you know, historically, Mexico is a better team. But right now, history doesn't play into this. Um, and and they're, they are a formidable squad. Um, you know what helped Australia? Like, they moved regions. That's what helped them. Of course. And, and, and like I keep going back, competition breeds competition. They knew you're not going to get any better playing against Fiji. You're not going to play, any, you know, against New Zealand. New Zealand yeah, and stuff like that. And that's the, those um, their rivals. I don't think they even had pro leagues. No, no even and, and and it's right. funny because I mean Australia, Mexico should be doing what Australia, you know, did a couple of years back. You know, of of you know wanting to improve and get out of the federation that's holding them back. Oh, but but see, that's that's why I mentioned the leagues. But there are leagues here. Yeah, so you, you can't use that argument of, you know, these teams don't even have a stadium. Yeah, but here here's the thing though. The thing I you know Australia moving Australia moving to the uh, to to Asia, is, is a great thing because you have at least in that Asian confederation. You know, you have, for example, South Korea, you have Japan, that in the last 20 years, basically what 1994 was for U.S. soccer, 2002 was for Japan and Korea. Korea. Yeah. And, and the amount of the, I mean, their, their, their fan base has increased just, you know, tenfold. Their league has increased tenfold. And, you know, they're, they're formidable teams. They're very well disciplined. They're fucking, they're fast as hell. And obviously, you know, when you, when you add the, the culture, and you know, their, their fans cult- are great, man. They clean up after themselves. Yeah. The no, yeah. The players too. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is like, you know, Japan and Japan and Korea, 
Japan and Korea, they're four formidable teams. They're well-disciplined. They're really fast. They're very technical, and they're smart players. So that, you know, that, and, 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 and for an Australia to go there and play against them, and then obviously you, you, know, you have the Far East Asian teams and stuff like that, but then you also have the, you know, the, 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 the like, for example, the, the teams from the Middle East and stuff like that that are also, uh, you know, they're not world powers, but they're quality players, you know, they're quality, you know, like Iran and stuff like that. Um, but with that, that, you know, Australia went from, from lesser to more, where we're basically stagnant. You know, playing you know playing against Saprissa with no you know no disrespect to, to to the Central American teams and stuff like that, but playing against Saprissa, playing against you know MLS. You know, <laughs> I hate to say that it, was, but yeah, Rob, that was never a problem, dude. What's that? That to me was never a problem. But here, but the thing about it is. When you win 18, 18 or 20 out of 21, you know, uh, club competitions, what really, what, how, how are you improving? Uh, you know, you, you know, when you were going up against, when you were going, and I, and I hate to beat this, you know, this drum and stuff like that, but, you know, when we were facing, you know, the South American competitions, you know where you stand. You're, you're constantly taking, you know, a, a daily quiz every day, you know? And right now, Mexico doesn't have that. It doesn't have that at the club level. It doesn't have that at the national team level. I just found out that so, we're gonna have to qualify for the Copa America. Yeah, and how does that? And and that pisses me off because Mexico. And frankly, it wasn't even the federation. It was the promoters, those evil promoters, you know, that uh, made that deal. But I mean, like I said, you know, this is probably one of the one of the worst Mexican teams, or you know. Well, well let's 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 wait. First, we need to clarify something because it's not Copa America. It's like a, it's like a, like a Concacaf, Conmebol type of thing, where where, do you know what I mean? It, it's not the regular Copa America hosted in South America. It's a Copa America. Being hosted in the U.S., where Concacaf is a part of it, but so it's if it was a, well, yeah, but I mean, still, if it was, if it was just a Conmebol version, I'm sure they'll roll out the red carpet for Max. This is just Concacaf, well, you know. Well, the guy with the, what's his name, Dominguez, the guy from uh, the South American uh, President Club, you know, Confederation uh, President. He's gone repeatedly on record. It's not because of us. The the invitation is there. We want the Mexican oh, yeah, teams. Yeah. You know? They want the cash cow there, of course. And I, and I don't blame them, but it, at that point, it's a win-win. They get more money. Mexico gets gets better competition. But right now, again, like I said, we, you know, unfortunately, you know, the, the powers, you know, the, 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 the suits in uh, in Mexican Federation, they uh, – they decided to hitch their wagons with uh, with the U.S. with MLS, uh, thinking long term. Mm, I'm not seeing it yet, you know, and 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 I'm not seeing it, and I really don't think it's a it's an equal partnership, because the comment like you know that comment that what's his name um, 
was it Don Garber said, you know, uh, what, what did he say? Oh, oh, we're not going to play a game. We're not going to play any leagues game in Mexico. Oh, okay. So it's so it's not even a, a it's not even a, a partnership here. It's it's basically just an exploitation. You know, the federation, the federation, the Mexican federation. They basically, you know, hitch their wagons onto the MLS, you know, U.S. you know uh, wagons thinking that, you know, their, their product was going to improve, that we're going to make more money and blah, 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 blah. And look at us now. So you, you think, but I mean, it's just started. I, I, I don't think Mexico's problems have anything to do with it. To me, it's not a coincidence. For me, it's not, it's not a coincidence when, when basically, you, you, you know, the last, the last year, that Mexico played in, in a South American tournament was in 2016, right? So 2015 was Copa, Copa Libertadores. 2016 was what do you call it? The uh, the red winning, uh, you know that you know that ass whooping that Chile gave us. Um, but 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 I'm saying after that, it's been it's just been downhill. It's been it's been downhill for for the league. It's been downhill for. That's more because of the league, like you know the league, with the increase in foreigners. And then but even the structure, the, the short season with 12 teams, you could be 12 and you still have a chance. I think we, all of, we, we, have changed, we have changed the, you know, we have changed the format so many times. You know, we, you know, we went from, you know, long format to short format that, you know, uh, you know, we had it where it was in groups. We had it where it was, you know, so the, 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 the best, the best age and stuff like that. You know, we've had repechajes before. We took out the repechajes. You know, we, we did away goal. We took away the away goal. So, I mean, we've had, we've, the format has changed and, and stuff like that. But, the, but now, and again, going back to 2015, for me, that's when it started to gradually get, you know, the problem starting to get, like, really serious. It's like, oh, shit. We're out of Copa, we're out of Copa America. We're out of Copa Libertadores. Uh, and then you add, you add, you add the fact. You take away the competition, and then you dilute the comp the competition by by doing stupid things like you know you know doing the best twelve, and then you know you know doing the promotion and relegation, putting that on pause. But for me, I don't even think that that's a major major issue. The the, the promotion relegation, you know, um, I don't see that as one of the you know the major root causes of Mexico's you know Mexican soccer's problems because. And I've told you this before. Mexico, since Mexico has never been able to have, say, at least since the, since the '70s, has not been able to have a fully autonomous uh, lower division. We've never had, we haven't had it in, in in 40 plus years. So, I mean, if we haven't had it, we and in those 40 years, we've had you know lots of ups, we've had lots of downs. So you can't really blame the the the, uh, the the promotion relegation for that because we were we've been you know when we had good times and stuff like that we had uh, you know we had a subsidized uh, uh, promo promo uh, regula, uh, promotion rele, uh, relegation system. So, gentlemen, it's uh, it's getting late for me. Yeah, I'm in the late. East Coast. Hey, Robert. I got to get up early. Thanks for hopping on uh, today, man. Yep. Thanks, Ron. All right, man. You guys have to be good. All right, man. Take care.
no se fue, pero I was going to say, just my take, because Mexico wasn't competing in South America or had these other top tournaments. And they go to their first Copa America and they make the final. That was 93. I know, but, but I'm using that as an example of you didn't need to be having all these other competitions, uh, you know, because the local league was that strong that when they, you know, the players went to compete, they were able to, to do that, that good. And, and that that had some really strong teams. Um, even the Colombian team in Mexico played them, uh, you know. Um, so for them to do that, it, and then in 94, of course, uh, and, and they're in the group of death and, and they finish first. And it's it's probably the the last time Mexico was paired with three European teams. Um, so the, to me, it's it's more the, the league, how it's been mismanaged that has hurt the team. Um, I do would prefer to have Copa America and Libertadores. And yes, that would help. But I don't think Leaving that has caused all the problems. To me, it's been more the massive amount of foreigners and a lot of them not being that good. Some of them, you don't even, you don't even, like, I don't think they even debuted. Um, and that's just keeping away from the youth to, to get playing time or to develop. And that's, that's where I've seen the problems, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think if you blame Jimmy Lozano for this, it's... It's not his fault. He's doing what he can with what he's got. And I think that the player pool right now leaves a lot to be desired. And um, I think we're, and I, I think that's my sentiment is look, we don't really have any risks going into this next World Cup cycle because we already qualified. So why not take a gamble and try the youth? You know, Yael Padilla, let's put him in there. Let's put in Huescas. Let's put in all these players that are, uh, you know, so, in, you know, coming out the gates and see how they do, man. Like, just throw them out there. What's the worst that can happen? It can't get worse than this. It can't get worse than drawing against Uzbekistan. Yes, it can. <laughs> Lucy, Lucy to Uzbekistan. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't want to make right. me relive. Re no, result, results aside, right? Like put putting the result aside, say they go out there and get creamed. Well, it's a safe space. It's a friendly. You know, we can afford that. Like, there's no. They'll learn from that experience more than putting them in the U23 and they're over here playing Colombia twice. Like, what 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 good does that do, man? It's like let's just see what they got. Let's see how they do at the at the highest level and see if they can hang. I, that's how I feel. I mean, that's the league. That's that it shows you when you have a strong league, then you could tell because, uh, again, like I'm saying, in the past, uh, when Mex would throw out their players, you know, that hadn't been, they hadn't gone abroad or none of that, they would still do good. And when Mex matched up to these teams, they would, they would play um, up to that level. So I, I think it's, it's more to do with just the experience of being in the, in the league, but also, and we've been talking about this the internal competition within within the national team. There's not that much competition now uh, for a lot of the spots 
there were that's where I'm like I confidently say I'm doing going to the second world cup. Not a lot of people hate him, but he he's right now his his um his past is already, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's been paid for. I, I I unless he gets like some type of ACL injury or out of the blue, there's this crop of talent that pops up. But I, I I'm pretty sure he's He's like if you were to name ten players, or or let's say thirteen, he would be in that list of of that are going to be in the next World Cup. For sure, I you know I I just hope that um, these matches you know they we learn from them. I learned a lot. I learned that Hector Herrera has has no business playing for the national team anymore. I learned that uh, Ochoa, when he goes to Italy, he's Superman. But when he returns to uh, to play for Mexico, he's like um, just his normal self, you know. We could just be tired. I think that's a that's a long ass trip, man. He's gotta take a what, twelve hour flight, changing yeah. uh, changing uh, changing time zone, changing uh, altitude a lot of times. I, I think all of these things factor in, and that's why a lot of times some of these players end up looking like ass. Um, they're just fatigued or tired, or even they're seeing injuries a lot of times. That's another thing, too. You know, you're playing on artificial turf. That's always scary, and, um, you know... Even that, <laughs> dude. I mean, we saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers yesterday. His dude just uh, snapped his... Achilles tendon, so it's like when you play on surf, man. Those are the risks, and uh, we're, we have an older squad. But um, I still think Jimmy is the right guy for the job. Like I said, I mentioned this, you know, previously. It's like, look, we, this is a safe space. We have a, a a World Cup we're already qualified for. You know, it's time to try out the young, the young gun, the young coach who has the ambition. And it's also time to uh, gamble on our youth. It's it's now or never, you know. The next World Cup after this one, um, it's back to having to qualify. So you have this one in your backyard. I feel like uh, it would be nice to to see some new blood into the Mexican national team. And uh, it looks like uh, Quinones uh, joining the national team has been kind of been stalled. He like failed his uh, exam to get citizenship. <laughs> Damn. He thought he could just show <laughs> up and, and, you know, he's in. Majority of Portugal was failed it, Jaime. I know I would <laughs> fail it for sure. <laughs> I don't know what I would get. It. I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of Portugal would fail the American one too, bro. <laughs> well, Americans would fail it. Like, yeah. But... <laughs> what do the 50 stars represent? Uh, I don't know. You know, on the American flag. Um, we had Marcelo Flores. We've been talking about this guy. They've been blowing smoke about this kid. He plays for Arsenal. He We expedited his his national um, call-up because, you know, it was either us or, or uh, Canada or even England. So we expedited his debut to the national team to get dibs on him. Uh, he goes to Arsenal. Or he he's already at Arsenal. He's he's been playing for the under twenty three. He gets loaned out to the uh, second division Spanish team. Doesn't get any minutes, 
And now the, the biggest uh, shock is that Tigres have bought him on a permanent transfer and uh, he'll be playing in Monterrey. And a lot of people have have lost their shit, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they get their hopes too high with, with some of these players. And it seems like they, they don't learn from previous, you know, what we've seen with previous youth players. And if it's if, if him as a player, if he's not getting any good offers in Europe, then why would they expect him to stay? You know, um, and it's for most people it's like, dude, you're not gonna pay him to stay over there. You're not gonna pay him to end up having to retire. So that's that's one thing I, I always have to, you know, I'm like a broken record. Ultimately, you have to secure your future. Um, and and do what's best for your career. It's it's um you know that's the business side yeah. of it that that is just as important if not more than the sporting. So well you know how much long do you want to keep playing in in reserved or youth teams with with booty wages? If Tigres comes and and. They give them what two million a year, let's say, for for three four years, dude. That's that's money in the bank. Fuck it, I'm, I'm you know. Player like him has been training since he was like twelve. Six million, let's say his career doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. That's you, you open an oxo, a cuckoo chicken or whatever, <laughs> and dude, you're sad. That's it, dude. Um, I, yeah, and I don't know, man. She, you know, you're not the one that's going to have to worry about paying bills. So that's why as fans, it's easy for us to be like, ah, he's a bomb, or he sucks, or, or you know, he doesn't have what it takes, or, or you know, so many things that that that, it, that we hear. But it's like, nah, man, you, <laughs> you have to maybe, what, buy the house your parents live in, so when they retire, they have somewhere to stay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... it's it, it's different for all these um, for for all these players. It's it's always different situation, and and I'll say this is the one part where I feel um, a lot of times you see a lot of the Mexican youth. Uh, they sort of like lose that hunger because they're like, you know, like let's say a trophies for example, and he, he was like living in the projects like ghetto, and he he makes it to Chivas gets that big contract enough money to buy an apartment complex and set his family up and then seems like his motivation just went away and he's like ah, you know I'm good like this mm-hmm. uh, you know I got a swinging bachelor pad with a pool the PS5 the car his whip that he wants he, you know and at that point I think a lot of players they just don't they just sort of seem to hang it up compared to like in South America where they're still getting paid peanuts and even when they go to Europe, a lot of times they're still getting paid peanuts. So I mean, they're, they're still fighting for that. And and we're seeing it now too with the options where we saw the one player uh, from River Plate. I forget his name, but he went to he came to MLS, and and the European team didn't want to pay for this clause where he would be guaranteed like five five or four million, and the MLS paid it. But I mean, dude, that's that's it. He he secured his family's future right there. Yeah. I would do it. 
Yeah, I would like to go to Europe, but if if I can secure, you know, my family's well-being, that, that's going to be number one for me. Yeah, I mean, with the whole Marcelo's Flores thing, number one, I really did feel like it was a lot of hype. You know, it was uh, the the hope. You know, it's exciting when you have a young young prospect at a at a club like Arsenal. You know, it's like, oh man, this is this could be something special. And uh, you know, they show highlights of this kid, and and he's he's doing great. He's scoring goals, and I think people really start to like, you know, get uh, excited about this kid, have high hopes for him. And uh, obviously, it doesn't feel good when you see like a team like Tigres just be like, yeah, let's let's kill his dream and let's take let's bring him to Liga Nikes. And, and and look, like I'm I'm not against I'm not against uh, him going to Liga Mekis. I think it's great for him right now. Like he's finally going to be playing in the first division. The problem is I don't think Tigres was the right choice because they have too many options. They have Linus, they have Cordova, and, and they have four foreigners. This dude is just going from a European bench to a Mexican bench. He would have like if Chivas would would have gone after him, or if if another team that didn't have that many options went after him, and he was playing day in and day out, I would be like, okay, that's that's not a bad move. But you know, he's I just feel like his career is going to continue to just stay stagnant if by this move. Yep, I, I mean, in that. You know, in that sense, yeah, that's that could be tough. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm thinking if Tigres make that, they make that purchase. They must be, you know, they must figure something out. You know, he's use him as a sub, perhaps see if he could break into that team. Let's see what happens. We'll see how it goes for him. Um... I know that his dad had tweeted something in the past saying that he would never have his kids play there after what happened to Querétaro. His dad, his dad put a tweet out there like when you know when there was that big fight with Atlas and Querétaro fans. He's like, "Oh, look at this! I would never have my kids play here." Now, now he's gonna have to eat crow, dude. What a Querétaro man. The internet never forgets, Jaime. <laughs> yeah, I know you had your uh, your friend hopping on at ten. I don't know. Um, I tried sending him a DM, but I don't think he has them open. But uh, no. Yeah, we'll see if he he can join us tonight. If if not, no big deal. Uh, we have a upcoming Super Clasico this weekend on Saturday. I feel like it's a little too soon, man. Too soon in the league. To already have a, for a it's already it's like the Chivas hasn't been winning so they had like let's say they had two big wins wouldn't you be like bring it um I, I don't think the current like run of form has anything to do with it it's it's the fact that it's match week eight and we've only restarted the league um you know just after a huge hiatus for the league's cup so I just feel like neither team is really going into their their final form yet. And uh, I would have liked to have this played a couple fixtures from now. Um, but as of right now, Chivas on back-to-back losses against Santos and Monterrey. 
Meanwhile, America um, hasn't lost a game in, in the last five. So they're definitely in better form going into this Clásico. I mean, Pastor's been awfully quiet. He's brooding over that 3-3 draw. I'm not sure. He's He's been on mute. He has the ability to speak. Maybe he's in a not in a quiet place, but, uh, you know, feel free to join us, Al Pastor or JP. I know you've been listening for a while. You know, feel free to uh, request to speak. If you got anything on your mind from uh, these last two friendlies or the upcoming matches in Liga Mekis. Um but yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes. They play on Saturday at eight in El Azteca, which honestly I, I prefer. I feel like the Clásicos in El Estadio Azteca have been favorable for Chivas. Same. It's in also the venue, the historic stadium. Yeah, absolutely. Some of my favorite Clásicos were at in El Azteca. Um I think the the craziest Clásico I saw was when, you know, it was going back and forth. Ramon Morales had missed a PK. Chivas ended up scoring and taking the lead very late. And then on the last play of the game, America was about to draw, uh, was about to tie it. And then uh, er, um, Hector uh, Reynoso put his hands up and blocked a shot. And the referee didn't say anything. <laughs> that was probably one of the, like, the most... <laughs> dramatic classicals i've seen in in a long time and then in recent memory probably the chico chico tassos the the three goals he scored chico against tassos. yeah that was that was uh, my, cool. favorite, my favorite one is at the jalisco the the big five zero and america had la volpe la volpe was the coach when was this damn man we couldn't talk back that's like in the Somewhere in the mid-90s, dude. America. I want to say 97. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say 97. He coached America in 96. Oh, oh there you go. Soft play a year, dude. I wonder if that was the same game where uh, Varela took a fucking punch to the face. Was that the same game? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember him. Yeah, Cuauhtémoc. Okay, Temos. it was Invierno, Invierno 96. Ah. 5-0, yeah. I think Tuca was at Chivas. I'm pretty sure he was. Was it the Tucan? Because uh, he replaced, he replaced um, Leo Benhacker. Oh, okay, okay. And and I think they, with Leo, I think they also won. And this was also a good one because he beat America. I, I'm pretty sure he did. But coaching America was um, Bielsa. No way. So you got Champions League tire coaches ahead. See, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying, dude. What is that? You got that level of coaches back then in, in Liga MX. And, and you know, with, with what I would say some pretty top foreigners that a lot of them were like key players or, or even or even big big names back in their own countries like, like Alex Aguinaga, um, 
and, and such, you know. And you kind of just don't have that no more. You have a bunch of players over there. They're more like you can have them type of thing. <laughs> you could have them. Uh, um, but I'm saying that. Who do you think's been the biggest uh, name that has coached in Liga Mekis? Probably Bielsa. I mean, just going up. But Ben Hector too. Ben Hector coached Real Madrid. I know. Uh, and then you also had the Argentines. Um, Menotti did it. Yeah, Menotti coached that. Menotti would just... But I think just... I don't think he even finished the season. Uh, and then you had Alfio Basile. What's Coco? Wait, I don't want to get them confused. He was at America, and then they bring... Around the time that... I think he left just before uh, Samorano came in. Mm. But those uh, pasarelas also was pretty. Um, You've had a you know move. World Cup winners like uh, Ruggeri. He he coached. Yeah, but coach, coach, you know, as a coach. That is like you know. He wasn't that good. <laughs> no, I mean you had. Uh, you had Peckerman. <laughs> His name always gives me a yeah. chuckle. Peckerman's uh, a that's a, that's a pretty big name too. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's been a few. I mean, I'm not going top of my head. Dude, we had Osi Ardiles. He's Argentine, but he was he was coaching the DPL and he came he came and he he sucked it up at Chivas. <laughs> um, there's been a name. Yeah, Coco Vasile was at America in 2000. Okay, so that was the name. What about uh, Oscar Borta, man? That mustache. Legendary. He also sucked it up at Chivas. I know. But, uh, he hadn't done anything in like what? He, he came to Mexico and it was like maybe 20 years because his whole thing had been Bolivia taking them to their first ever World Cup. And that was in 94. I don't think he did anything of note. And he comes to Chihuahua like in what, 2000, around what, 2005 or 2010? You know, it's been like 20 years and, and no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put him there. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that was uh, a wild ride. We've had some really shitty coaches that have uh, that that have coached Chivas, like uh, that guy that always looks drunk, and he was an assistant to uh, was he an assistant to Hugo? Yeah, look, wait, look, look. So I looked up Ossie because Ossie Arviles. So he had already coached Newcastle, West Brom, Tottenham. Then he came to Chivas, and then uh, it kind of went downhill from there for him. He didn't even he didn't even return to the EPL. <laughs> I think he was good. He just he, I think he always did suck. <laughs> he has a long career though, so Are, always one year. One year a... <laughs> yeah, Osvaldo Ardiles. Croatia, Tottenham. He had coached Tottenham. What the fuck? Ah, that's crazy. 
it's quite the journey, man, dude. Yeah, his his truest sin was in the, nothing to write home about, but a lot of fanfare because oh, he's coming from from you know England, and uh, yeah, no, nope, nope, nope. But I, I think that having a match and two coaches like that leading the two big teams, I'm like, damn. I, we haven't been there since. At least for coaches that, that have coached at that caliber. Yeah, man. It's been a... It's been a while since we've had some influential coaches. I do like Larcamon, though. I think he's been a great addition to the league. Especially... Um, what he was able to do at Puebla and then, you know, winning the Champions League with Leon. I think that's a pretty, pretty big accomplishment. But as, yeah. as far as like uh, Mexican coaches, yeah, it's another, it's another problem we're having. It's like, you don't really see too many young ones getting, uh, getting a chance. And the ones that do aren't doing that well. <laughs> I know uh, Pollo Brisoño got his, or he's working on his coaching license. You imagine, bro, him being the coach. You never know, dude. Like, look at Piojo. You That's know, true. his player just known very rowdy, and he's been a really good coach. Probably not the best timing. He got let go from Tijuana. Here it is. Uh, I found it, dude. Uh, it was the last uh, long season format tournament that was played in Mexico. Uh, what are you talking about? When uh, Ben Hacker uh, played against uh, Bielsa. Oh, okay. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? This this article is not telling me. Here it is. Oh man. Yeah, he says uh, Bielsa was in the bench and Ben Hacker was at Chivas. Damn. And he had replaced Ardiles. Oh, <laughs> we went shit. Full, we just went full circle. Uh, <laughs> which, was, which was surprising for me because um, Ben Hacker had been at America, right? And he had he had that that team, dude, that team was just phenomenal to watch, dude. I would catch myself watching sometimes. Um, and and then it's kind of stupid how they fire him over... Oh, I forget this guy's name, dude. He was a midfielder. The uh, Olmo, Joaquin Del Olmo. Mm -hmm. Joaquin Del Olmo had a contract that with one of the higher-ups and they told him, don't don't put him, you know? Don't, don't play him. And Leo was like, 
the fuck I will. And he, he played him. And he says they they call him like after the match. He's inside his hotel. He's like, hey, pack your bags, dude. No way. And he's he's um I think he's he was in uh, Cortemo Blanco had like a like a little TV show or something. Oh. No, no, no. He had like a, his own like soccer show or a talk show or whatever. And he had Ben Hacker in the Lolmo and the Lolmo. I mean, not the Lolmo. Ben Hacker says it. He, he said that story. And so it was interesting. And when he comes back to Max and to end up at Chivas, it's like, oh, snap. And, and yeah, I remember this game. I don't know if it was this game, but I think they were losing 2-0 and then they end up winning 3-2. I'm not sure. Let me let me see if this thing has it. Yeah, me pudo sigo poniéndose dos cero arriba. Ah, que deja comentar, pero me enseñó. Blah blah blah. Yep, this was the match. They ended up winning three to two. There was one goal. One goal scored that game. It was three touches. The the goalie kicks it. I forgot who heads it in the midfield. Like a flick? In yeah, I think they just head bodies. And, or they just like, you know, with the head, mm-hmm. they, they prolong the pass. And Michel Espinosa runs and first time kicks it with the ball and he scores a goal, dude. And I was like, just, I, I creamed myself right there. <laughs> like, oh, damn, dude. You don't really see those type of goals. Peak football, man. Yeah. I need I need to go back and look for that. That's a that's a that's a good thing about now. You know how you have um you just go to YouTube just go and on YouTube, bro. You find all these clips. Yeah, not before you had to someone someone had a VHS recording. You had to have it on tape somewhere. <laughs> tape, oh, okay, tape. tape over your own wedding. You know? And there's a, <laughs> there's a thing that we, we talk. <laughs> Probably some kids' birthday. Um, there was another thing that we, we talked about a few podcasts. How like Lee IMX doesn't have like they should have like you know like a year end review like of the season and all the best yeah. goals and stuff like that. That would be pretty cool. Um, you know they don't they just don't do stuff. And of course we talked about why with the different televisoras and all this yeah. um, you know conflict that makes it hard to do something like that, but. Yeah, dude, that that classic was probably was one of my favorite. That one, that one is In terms of production, man, it's one of the things that really frustrates me. I can go on YouTube and find all of Chicharito's goals that he scored for Manchester, and Manchester themselves created that video. Same thing with Raúl Jiménez. We can look at all his goals at Wolves. You just go to Wolves YouTube channel; they're all there, dude. I'm like, you can't go to Chivas. YouTube channel and try to find all of Omar Bravo's goals. Like you got to fucking find some guy who's got like three subscribers who took the time to upload like all these clips, dude. You're like, what? you're like, how bro? How in these modern <laughs> times, dude, there was that whole like Chivas TV subscription that I don't even know who still pays for it, but it's like, you would think by paying for that, you would have, access to all these archives of all these all this footage yeah. that they have man like no that was poorly done dude they just threw it i think that was that was and that was just chivas attempt to try to like negotiate 
a, a TV, a juicy TV, yeah. TV deal. And then they just had the misfortune of uh, it was around the time of the Disney. Hey, are we going that back? Uh, remember Disney by Fox? Yeah. And but Disney already owns ESPN, so they don't need Fox Sports. But now Fox Sports is broke without the, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think the only I think they they cut out Fox Sports and the Fox News. And then they just took like the movies and they took everything else, the Simpsons and all that other stuff. Um, but they lost a lot of money, dude. And and so now it's like they're not they're not in the market of you know paying because how you had at one point Fox Sports World, right? Fox Sports Americas, and they would have all these leagues and tournaments, and all of a sudden it's like, man, we is broke. <laughs> so. That was one thing for Chivas. And then Uni, no, Telemundo links up with NBC. NBC buys Telemundo. NBC. Right. And they put, but they put their money on. on. They're like, we're going EPL, man. So they, they put all their shekels into the English Premier League. And that just, you know. And then and you got the all this other stuff. Yeah. And then that all that shit's going on in the U.S. So then I was like, "Oh snap!" You know, they were expecting a juicy contract, and now like not not anymore. And and then in Max, you kind of have I don't know what happened. I think Tevasteca took a hit. Well, both Tevasteca and Televisa took a hit because you started seeing all these um the televisoras that came in, Claro and and. And with with the with the streaming, yeah, you know, and 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 the availability of of other stations and leagues, and now it's like the money's just not there anymore, and now they couldn't because I remember this was like an argument I had with with Juwan because he was saying that she was should be making more money because they were at one point I think five televisoras were were showing Chiba games. Like five different Oh wow, they were like double dipping, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I was like I was like, no dude, it doesn't work that way because before when, when Chivas was like an open TV televisa, their viewership was eleven million. So whatever whatever sponsor was like uh wants to sponsor Chivas or or buy ad space your uh, your your shit's gonna be seeing eleven million people, but that's not happening anymore. Now it's yeah. that's all divided and cut into chunks across the thing. So now they don't have they don't you're not paying for eleven million views. You're paying for two million here or there. So it's all, it's all like scattered all over so, the place. Yeah. So now you're and and that's the other thing where you thought you was cutting it. And that's that's a, that was the part of the reason too, uh, why if you saw for a long time she was. was they couldn't get uh, any big name sponsorship. So their last big sponsorship was Bimbo. And after that, they didn't have any like to that, like a Coca-Cola or something to that big, you know, big name. And that we have, to me, that's part of it. Well, we have Tecate and we have uh, Caliente. Yeah, but those aren't big like that. They were paid like the big money, you know, like like 
when you get the big juicy deal and, and they're mm-hmm. sponsoring you for, you know, because they've always had like a beer brand somewhere in the back. They had Soul. Soul, and- Soul was a classic, man. I, I really like Soul's logo, dude. And so it was fucked up the, 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 the Nike. Uh, I thought it was Mex Lube. No, so because uh, Nike did a jersey and then the Soul logo, they simplified it so that it could blend into the jersey. And Soul was being anal and they're like, no, you need to put the sun with the rays and uh... throw the yellow throw the yellow in there and all this shit. <laughs> and so then they had to redo it. So you, I don't know if you could find both versions of the jersey. Because those, I mean, those are like, you know, for a lot of Chiva collectors, those are like the jerseys they're like going after that. Mm-hmm. That 97, 96, 97, I believe it was. Yeah. You know, I learned a little bit more about the business side of football um, thanks to Newcastle's um, uh, All or Nothing documentary on Amazon Prime. And one yeah. one thing that's interesting in the EPL, I don't know if this applies to Liga Mekis, but in order to stay within like the financial rules, you're not allowed to spend more than you make. So, you know, they were trying to find creative ways of how to, um, you know, generate more revenue, you know, and I think that was one of the reasons that, you know, the, you know, think about it, man, like these freaking uh, billionaires in Saudi Arabia, they're not used to having to play by the rules. They're just throwing, they're used to throwing money at things and fixing them. Right. So even if you have like a trillion dollars in the bank you can't just like go into the league and start you know spending more money than all the other clubs so one of the things that they focused on was uh number one like you mentioned the sponsorships and the most important sponsorship for a club is the one that goes on the front of the jersey it's the most valuable that's the most valuable real estate for for a club and and it's like you know it's obviously your job to find the the highest bidder and and to find a partner that's going to make sense to sponsor the team and obviously get as much money as you can from that contract and that way you can spend it on players so what newcastle were doing is that they were trying to find like a shell company that was owned by this like billionaire in saudi arabia to have them sponsor the team you know and then that way they can just give them like a fake contract. Oh yeah. We'll sponsor your Jersey for like X amount of money and like over inflate the value of what that company is actually worth, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting how like they're finding ways to like work around it or bend the rules. Um, but they also said like another important thing is like, you know, selling jerseys and, um, if you own the stadium, like having other events, you know, like that, uh, that you can make money off of throughout the year. So like as much, you know, the goal is to, to generate as much revenue as you can. Um, and, and, and that way you can spend more on players and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know how Chivas have it, have it, you know, I, I will say that I'm sure Telemundo offered them a decent chunk of money. Um, but I think they're one of the only few clubs left that 
that are not with the or with Tudene. You know, all the other clubs, uh, you can watch their games on Tudene, and uh, Chivas are like the last team to just like you can't. You have to you have to have Peacock or you have to have Telemundo uh, to watch their games here in the states. Aren't they in VIX or some shit like that? Not Chivas. Uh, only sometimes when they are on the road, they'll put a game exclusively on VIX, which is kind of annoying. So confusing. Uh, yeah, VIX is owned by like I'm, Televisa. I'm there you go. You must suck to be a fan of Max, dude. Where um, you used to be able to see all these games on open air, and now it's like yeah, you have to be all over the place looking. Looking for for a stream or whatnot. Yeah, my parents were out there, and they said they couldn't watch any Chivas games. Like, they didn't know how to watch them. <laughs> it's like Chivas doing them a favor. You have to have like a <laughs> you have to have like a internet connection and a you know. vacation. Why you wanna? Yeah, I remember. I used to always. I used to always, you know, take my summers there as a kid and for the Confederations Cup in 2005. They were doing this thing where they weren't broadcasting the games in real time. Like you like over the air for free, you had to you couldn't, you couldn't watch them. They would put them on hmm. yeah, the feridos right after they the game had already ended. And uh oh, okay. yeah, no, I remember that. And yeah. the the only way you could watch them live was if you had like a you know, like a satellite and that you were getting the feed from the United States or something. I don't know. My uncle had some like crazy yeah. setup. Yeah. Brings you up to the international space station. Oh, those things are crazy. Dude, I had one, but I, I ended up getting it at the end of it when, when the, the small dish had came in. And so it just was pointless to have it. And, and the format had changed as well because um, it was like digital now, I believe. But I used to sometimes catch like the news, like for like the channel for the news, like um, that they were using to broadcast. Like you would just see the lady standing there holding the microphone, just waiting to get her cue. Before she could start talking. That's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, it sucked. They still didn't get shit. It's a waste of money, dude. <laughs> Wait, because I bought it and then I got a, all the mech stuff was now in, uh, you know, you had, they had like, they had already came over here to the U.S. now. With, with in the small dish, Azteca America and all that stuff. But yeah, for a long time, you, you didn't really get much max programming. Yeah, my uncle had one of those big ass satellites on the top of his roof. They called them, uh, <laughs> I'm on the internet, C band satellites. Yeah. Yeah, dude, those things were crazy. And you just like randomly like get TV for free and shit. <laughs> <laughs> they had they had scramblers, so 
you could buy like a something scrambler and then you could you could link up and and get get like the feeds for for state like i don't know too much about it i i started like doing some research towards the end because it's like the fuck am i gonna do with this you know yeah couldn't sell it anymore it was worthless it's huge um and so i was like and and i remember reading into that but i was like i ain't trying to pay more money and then this shit is going to be more of the same it doesn't work or it's at the end it's at the end of it uh you know no longer fun to have it yeah (laughs) shit man well i don't know oh Bethel's here now. Let me add him to the. Chikis came in. Chikis, along with Chikis, was actually the first guy to be in the pod. Oh yeah. So, yeah, Beto, Al, Al, and Ron came up with the idea to have a podcast. And so I had, I had been in the, um, I had done podcasts already, but uh, but uh, other other people's podcast um with tom marshall and we they had the mexican soccer show so i did a few i had done a few there and cheekies and i were like let's cheekies and and ron were like let's do our own podcast and then that's how they put this together and 400 episodes later we have uh cheekies here <laughs> welcome to the show man how you been it's been a while and congratulations to you guys. This is a this is a historic event. You have made historic uh, achievements, and uh, and all that. So congratulations to everyone. And to yourself too, Chiki. To yourself, man. Near, man. What? What yeah. what made you want to do the podcast, Al? I never asked. I. I don't, I've always like enjoyed talking with people about stuff, and uh, and then podcasting started. So I was like, okay. But uh, I think uh, who reached out? I think Ron reached out, or and then I seen you on the soccer, the Mexican soccer show with them. Yeah. And I was like, man, this we should we can do this stuff. We got like uh, Ron, you, and I forget who else. Um, you know, in big soccer, you were when I first came on big soccer, you two would have like I would learn so much, you two would be dra- going back and forth with paragraphs of posts. I was like, what is this guy? This, this was back in the day. Like, Twitter, Twitter has spoiled us. Tw- I have no attention span. I would right now, I would probably not read no paragraph posts, but back in the day, I would read paragraphs and paragraphs of Ron and, and Boyle's posts. And I was like, okay, if we had a podcast just with these dudes. Man, it would be it'd be it'd be worth it. So that's oh, incredible, yeah, man. That's amazing. It'd be like all day going back and forth. I was just arguing about is that what, what Texas is that when you what you guys referred to as the what is it called the library of uh, or what do you guys call it the encyclopedia? No, no, that, that, that's Ron. He has the library of Ron Ron Alexandria. That's their, uh, <laughs> library of Alexandria. That's because Ron. Ron, he will go visit his family in Mex City, and he went to this district, 
uh, where they have a lot of old books and old used books. Oh. And he bought a lot of books. Uh, some of them are very hard to get now, hard to find. So Ron has a lot of like Mexican soccer history. So yeah, that dude, he, he always knew a lot. Um, yeah, and so he has he has a lot of books on on just the whole history of soccer, the history of the league, the history of teams. Like really old stuff, you know, going pretty far back. One of the he has one of the first books, I think was the first book that was like the history of the Mexican League. Uh, I think it's called the Libro Oro de Football Mexicano. Some of you are wondering, you could some it's available in some libraries in the US. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, let me do a quick search because I, uh, oh no, I got it right because I know the guy's name. The guy that wrote it wasn't even Mexican. He was probably Mexican and he lived in Mexico, but he was from Barcelona. And he wrote the book. He started some criticism as far as like the accuracy, but I mean, he put so much stuff in there, you know? like charts and, and just so much info that it's like, it's a good starting point, you know what I mean? It, it... Yes, that, so I think that was like a good, uh, like a good introduction. Oh, shit, sorry, Kinky's, I not Oh, I was just going to comment on that because, so that was like the, the, the history, the, the initial, aspect of Pantheon MX or Cachirules or whatever oh, dude, name we had. And then now Jaime's bringing the heat, Jaime's bringing the, the energy, which the Rucos may not, the Rucos may not have. It's past my bedtime. I need to eat my pudding and go to bed. And <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's, so that's like the, that's like a good, uh, a good thing to have with, with the energy of the youth. Absolutely, man. I mean, I hope this uh, this never ends, right? Like that's the whole the goal of of any any brand, right? It's to be timeless, and somebody will eventually carry the torch when we're all here, gone. Here it is, guys. It is called Libro de Oro, el fútbol mexicano. Uh, it's City Mulet, and that's that's the book. Oh wow! Uh, it's pretty difficult to find. Um, let me see. I'm gonna put. I was checking uh, Mercado Libre, but I don't know what. Here it is. Eight books sells it for $162. Oh. So that's, that's also, I've, seen, I've never seen that in the U.S. or like they have uh like Mercado. Oh, check, check your library. Check your library. Some oh. libraries might have it. What's it? Wait, what's it called? It's called Libro de Oro del Fútbol Mexicano. It's from 1962. Uh, or the one I've seen is from there, but it's, it's going... There's eight parts to it? <laughs> I told you, dude. I don't think you're finding anything else that got printed that where they collected. If, if you they try uh, to collect the whole... If you Google it, it's the first thing that pops up. It's a PDF. 
Oh, dang. Oh, it's a, someone has it in PDF form. But those books look old. I it is I wonder if ChatGPT Chat Chat and all that stuff ingested the all the knowledge from those books. I know, right? That's something that, like, I've been in the U.S. in Mexico City, like by No, by Vegas When I would go to Mexico City by Vegas Artes on that on that strip, there'd be like mercados of of books. I could just be uh, like tens and tens and tens of, of books. That would yeah, just that's where Ron, that's where Ron would go. And there's yeah. another there's another area though with a lot of uh, used books and old books. And he, you know, he he did his homework and he figured out which were the best books. And because you know the, the magazines and such would release their own history or this or that, but, but a lot of these are just like. Um, Cliff notes, you know, this this shit telling you it's eight parts. <laughs> it's going into detail and it's giving you a lot of breakdowns and and just uh, I think this guy spent years looking for just info on on the on the charts of like um ah uh, uh, like the points and all that, you know, the the teams. And all that type of info that a lot of times we take for granted. I found, yeah, so it's a couple of I found another I found book. It. It's called Once Décadas del Fútbol Mexicano by Octavio Antonio Colmenares. But that came out. Oh, what year? Um, it says 2010. Uh, and I guarantee you they use the Libro de Oro, dude. <laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee you, dude. This is, this is, I mean, think about it. It came out like in 1960, early 1960s. Uh, so this guy had been doing his research since before that, let's say late 50s. So for him to find stuff going back from the 20s, which was for him, what, like, 30 years, it won't be as difficult as if you're doing a book now. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. where the fuck are you finding that shit? A lot of it didn't survive. People would throw it away or newspapers wouldn't have archives and, and whatnot um, of their old shit. So it's, it get lost, man. Even my old internet articles have been lost. <laughs> I should have. I thought they were just going to stay there. Oh, uh, another gone, dude. Some of the stuff I wrote. Yeah, dude. Well Tweets get deleted and shit. You know, you gotta, you gotta take screenshots nowadays. Yeah. So you always hear about like, uh, so in my my attitude is you always hear about um, podcasts or YouTubers that they'll be posting videos. And, you know, they won't blow up and they'll be posting more and more content, more and more content. They won't blow up. And then all of a sudden, you know, they could blow up and stuff. But the enjoyment has, for me, has been just discussing and analyzing games, national teams, World Cups and stuff with everyone just having a discussion. It's like, I'm in yeah. so that's been, that's, that's what's been great. Uh, all I think these that, that's what has set us apart, uh, 
where we don't just talk about the game, but more like the history of the game and other aspects of the match and behind the scenes. And that's like how you said that you could read paragraph after paragraph. And that's one thing like me and Ron would do. Like we would, if there was like, because I was doing almost a similar thing as him where I, I would go and I'll, I'll look for magazines and stuff. This was going back, going way back to <laughs> where a lot of this stuff wasn't as available. And so I would, anything I could find, I would buy it and read it. And you would read interviews and, and you're like, I'm reading about Bora Milutinovic and, and he's talking about like when he was coaching Costa Rica and then coaching the U.S. And he's talking about all that shit. And then so it's sort of like opening up your mind to how some of this stuff works. Uh, as opposed to like, so reporters just giving a hot take when they're just trying to create clickbait. Nowadays, it's about engagement and trying to get, you know, as many views as possible. And sadly, the professionalism and the informativeism, if that's even a word, has kind of just like gone out the window. And uh, that's just how it is nowadays. It's tough. I remember growing up and, and going to Mexico every summer and my nose would be in a book uh, or in a magazine like Soccer Mania. That was my favorite magazine. Oh, dude, yeah. Same. Yeah, that was, a, that was a really cool magazine. And every week, you know, they had these – and they were like – yeah, when I when when I was a kid, the the magazine was huge. It was almost as big as a newspaper. It was just like these huge, like overblown magazines, and it had like all the games. And every week there'd be a new edition. And yeah, I really I really enjoyed that. But uh, I'll have to check this book out that I found, Once Decadas de Fútbol Mexicano. Um, I found this really cool website called Anna's Archive. So if you ever want to try and find a book, uh, you can try and download it there for free. Oh. You yeah. might have to send me one week. I used to use like Z Library, but then it got taken down. But uh, this, yeah. one, this one's still up. But uh, yeah, man, there's some good reads on there. And, uh, you know, I agree with, I agree with cheekies as far as like the style of this podcast is just like having a conversation, you know, like if you were at a bar with a friend and you just wanted to talk football, you know, I think that's kind of been like the, the style of, of Cantina and our brand. And, uh, it's gotten even better now with Twitter spaces and being able to just have our, literally our listeners hop on and, and have their take. And I think that's something that, uh, will always be like part of our, our spiel. Yeah, that was cool. Like a few a few podcasts ago when I came on, and there was like a few guys patting like listeners. That's 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 what I think is cool, is letting people come on. And I know we tried that a, a long time ago. I had like a one eight hundred number. Oh shit! <laughs> and we, we like conference people in, and uh, one guy from Chicago would always call in. And uh, but yeah, now it's now with spaces, it's it's a lot. I guess easier. All those spaces can be improved, but. I, I like that hear, hearing from because uh, sometimes people like are, don't feel comfortable, whatever talking. Yeah, yeah. And, we uh, uh, we have cool. people on YouTube 
like we still have people on YouTube when we go on Twitter spaces that maybe they don't have Twitter or maybe they don't want to talk, but they'll definitely throw some, some comments in the chat and talk some shit. And that's, that's my yeah. favorite dude. <laughs> dude, it was hilarious. Like in 2000 and 2001, I don't know, 2000, 1999, the old school Jim, you know, Jim Rome, the Jim Rome show. Jim Rome is burning. Yeah. No, that that was before Jim Rome was burning. It was it was called the Jim Rome Show. Oh, okay. And he would have he would have callers, and these dudes would call. Like there was this Mexican guy, whose name whose name is I forget Juan or something or Jose, and he and he and he sounded black. And then there's this and then there's this black guy. <laughs> no, there's this white or a Mexican guy whose name is Tyrone. And so they would always Tyrone? call him. Just, <laughs> yeah. They're they're probably fake. They weren't real, but they would just call it just. This does sound fake. Are you with each other or are you with with Jim Rome? Huh? They would call and are you with Jim Rome? Yeah, they would call. They would call because he would let callers call in, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. They would they would just be bromeando, and they would be this type this Mexican guy. He would call himself. Oh, right. Rome. And uh, but, yeah, and it it, would, it was hilarious. I think. Collars and that, and that kind of stuff is pretty, can be you pretty. You did fun. have that because you also had, yeah, because I remember and Jim Rome, he would, he would always like talk shit about soccer. And you had, of course, uh, um, yeah. Howard Stern, yeah. and he would also have, you people could call in and you could just talk. It was, he was hilarious. Talk I, I, would, I would roll laughing at him talking, talking junk about soccer. <laughs> like how people would roll and run the fouls and stuff, and, and uh, as a soccer fan, I could you know I can I could relate and and laugh at it. But yeah, I remember a couple, no, yeah, no. A couple of years ago, Bill Burr had like a soccer rant. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um. Any episode in particular, or maybe like your favorite moment, uh, Chickies from uh, the Cantina. Or Cachirules, or you know, I know you guys have gone through various name changes, but uh, I had Ron and uh, Joel already talk about their favorite moment. Uh, I can't think. The only thing I can think of, there was this one moment. I won't go too much into it because it's sort of like it's sort of like some beef. But we had like, like we were. <laughs> it, it was when John and Ron was on. And we were going to start our podcast, right? And all of a sudden, like, we got into some random discussion about stuff. And we talked, like, for an hour. We talked for an hour without recording or anything. We were about to start, but we talked for an hour, like, beefing and stuff. And then we just said, okay, yeah. we're done. <laughs> and uh, Hoel probably knows or remembers, but I won't go into, like, details and stuff. But it was, like, we were beefing and stuff. And it was all good. <laughs> we didn't even record. We were just like talking for hour or an hour or two hours. I was like crazy. Dude, yeah, back then we would sometimes get be getting ready to start the pod, and we would be talking for an hour or two hours. And by the time we recorded, those first two hours were way better. <laughs> like, like we recorded the wrong stuff. This this show was better, dude. Um, but yeah, it, it was. 
it's something else. Uh, like, it's so disorganized. Like, like that, yeah, that. What happened? Uh, like today, you know, we started the pod talking about uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and we did. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, to start off our 400th episode, we're gonna go down this rabbit hole of like old school video <laughs> games. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me you were getting late in high school without telling me you were getting late in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh that's funny. You know, one of my favorite moments, uh, I would say, was recently uh, during the Qatar World Cup when we had somebody from Saudi Arabia join us after they had beaten uh, Argentina. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, and he was telling us how like the culture in Saudi Arabia is like everybody like jokes around and like they're super like you know they're not serious people. And like this, this game for them was just like you know, like a troll for like Argentina. So it was, I thought that was pretty. Oh, that's hard for me. That's yeah. hard for me because I was like, dude, you just fucked up our chances. Fuck <laughs> 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 I don't want to see you. Are you trying to celebrate with you? <laughs> I was hoping, to, I was hoping to squash so that by the time we get to you, you guys are all like defeated, and and Mexico can can you know pile on the hurt and and. Put three, four goals, um, but that wasn't the case, man. They think they, they still have slight of a chance. Going into the last game, they had a chance to. Yeah, see, so yeah. no, I was expecting the Argentina to like just watch them to have a big, massive five-zero win or something, and then that would have been it for them. But uh, that kind of, I will say that. He's like, guys, guys, we've lost Messi. Where is Messi? Where is he? I was just like, damn, bro. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a, that was a fun one. That was that was they would think so. That's Argentina starting the World Cup with yeah. a defeat. Yeah, and they did that in the 1990 World Cup. Uh, they lose to Cameroon. Yeah, Cameroon. Wow. They lose. They lose and they make it all the way to the final, which also went to PK. They uh, played against Germany. No shit. And Maradona, Maradona there was at the tail end of his career. Very, like, pretty similar to, like, now with Messi. Except they lost in the time mm. he won. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy how some, some stuff repeats itself. Although I'll say Cameroon, well, I guess you could say back then they were, they were sort of like Saudi Arabia. They weren't like that known. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're almost at the two-hour mark, man. I've man, it's been uh, it's been great, great nights celebrating 400 episodes. We got that uh, that Super Clasico coming up on on the weekends. Uh, how are Pumas doing, Chiquis? I know you've been uh, you've been out for a minute. I know they were going through some dark times. I don't know if they've if they're still struggling or if they're they've bounced back. Oh, I know. I know they had they've been like had some ups and downs and stuff, but I haven't even like paid too much attention. I've been out of the mix, man. You guys have the Mexican Mo Salah, man, Chino Huerta. Yeah. Like you ever you see 
some uh, nice youngsters and Pumas every now and then. But, uh, and uh, it goes to like what you are commenting in the chat, sort of like the, I mean, Pumas has always been like the lower, like middle class sort of type of budgeted team. But let me explain the, let me explain the, uh, the racetrack around the stadium. <laughs> the racetrack. <laughs> It's Estadio El Olimpico, man. So it's yeah, Olympic. Right. So the Olympic Stadium, you gotta have track and field. You gotta have the pole, the pole jump, and all that stuff. So I guess if they're poor and they wanted to like make a different uh, field that's just soccer based, they could do that. But I don't see the need when you have. I hope they make another Olympics and they could use their stadium. I'm just saying, like, uh, a city as large as, like, Ciudad de Mexico, it's pretty embarrassing that they don't have any, like, modern stadiums. Like, El Azteca is the only one, and that thing's pretty old. And, uh, you know, you look at a, at a city like London, London has – they could host the whole World Cup just in London. That's how many stadiums they have there ready to go. And I feel like, you know, an institution like like Pumas, uh, they deserve like a soccer specific stadium and maybe have a more intimate stadium. You know, something that fits like, uh, you know, 30 to 40,000 people and that's covered, that has shade. <laughs> yeah, it's like this big, giant bowl, man. It's just like and there's a track around it. The fans are like 100 feet away from the field. Like, I don't know how you can have a good time there. They have to. They have to redo it. They have to take it down and then redo it. Oh. And, um, because well, Mexico City is so congested. Like, yeah. there's probably not even very much space where you could stick a stadium. You'd have to like tear down. Hey, look. They, they they could tear down the entire city of Netzahualcoyo. That's totally fine. Well, they did. You know, I think I'm 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 here in LA. Where the Staples, Staples, the Staples Center is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was like apartment buildings there. They, they, and they uh, tear down the Dodger Stadium too, blocks. right? Yeah, a bunch of Mexicans there. Dodger Stadium was like houses for all these like uh, Mexicans, and they they kicked them out of their land and built a, a baseball team. And it wasn't until Valenzuela that the Mexicans started to embrace the Dodgers, but for a long time they hated the Dodgers. Yeah, well, some I mean, you gotta go way back, but I think, uh, so I think the person that owned that land wasn't using it, so I think he allowed people to just like build their stuff, mm. and so then he eventually, he, I mean, I, I read this shit a long time ago, so don't don't add me, um, but I mean, you guys can easily look it up. So I think, and then when when the state when the team when they were bringing the team from Brooklyn. And I think they, they found that place. Um, that's when I guess that dude sold the land. Yeah. I remember seeing a documentary about Valenzuela on ESPN, like the 30 for 30. And they talked about that whole like moving to the West and expanding and, and how like the Latino community was not happy about the Dodgers when they first moved in. Um, but how they were able to turn the tide once they they had one of their own representing the team. 
But uh, yeah, my mom grew up in uh, Nezahualcoyo, so you know she tells me all these stories about how rough it was, and uh, that's why one of my uncles was a huge like Toros Nessa fan, and uh, I always give him shit when Ooh. I see him. I always, I always bring up that ass whooping we gave him in 97. <laughs> well, that's fine, dude. I was not expecting that. I was expecting... Toros always brought it, dude. I was expecting a more even match. I would love to see that team resuscitated and brought back to life, man. Aren't they still around? But they're like, I think they they're, are. Uh, the Coyotes, right? I think they're in the like third division or something, but... I know that their stadium is not I don't even think it's it's in use anymore. And that was a World Cup stadium, right? No, I don't think so. Nessa eighty six? Yeah, dude. It was? That's why it's got its name. Let me see. Shit. What's the hostel in one game? Like the they built it, it for hosted, whatever. Uh, it hosted uh, three games, dude. Oh shit! Scotland, Denmark, Uruguay, Denmark, and Uruguay, Scotland. Nobody wanted to see that. <laughs> Damn, even the state. I'm looking at a picture. Even that looks old. Whoo! You're right. That's such interesting. And it was only twenty k. Dude, we got Salvadorian Stadium that's surpassing Mexican Stadium. Did you see that? Is that a Salvadorian Stadium that Ron posted? Which one? With the, the brand. He, it's like a video of a guy oh, taking a video. Oh, reviewing the toilets and stuff? <laughs> the toilets. and then, But he took video. There was pictures no, of the stadium. No, it's Trinidad y Tobago, I think. Oh. Yeah, El Salvador played them. That looks sort of like a nice. And they were here. they were talking shit about it. I'm like, oh, they don't even have like you know, first world like uh, facilities for for visiting teens. But yeah, it seemed pretty good. Well, they have a toilet, like a bucket in the corner. Dude, I remember the Azteca, the stinking trough to urinate, man. What the heck? <laughs> oh, you guys had the trough. In Azteca, there's a trough, dude. Just like all, all along oh. the wall. So here in the in Oakland, the Oakland Coliseum, we have the trough system too, and it's a nightmare, bro. <laughs> Shit, dude, that, that thing gave me nightmares. When I was a kid, I'm like, someone... you know, like man, I don't want to fucking take a piss here, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a kid too. That, that's the one time, and it was all grown ups, dude. So I'm like at waist. I'm waist high. <laughs> you're you're right there, bro. Your jacket and stuff. <laughs> bro. Yeah, it's not kid friendly, right? Uh, <laughs> I'd uh you know, I've I've been to the Coliseum for many events, but I will say for American football. Oh, dude! The, going into the bathrooms and having to take a piss in the trough—you you were, you were like, scared for your life, bro. Because shit would go down, man. People would try to push people inside, like throw them in there. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Or like, you know, try to just talk shit and stuff, and yeah. It, and they still have them. I right? got, I got 
one of my last games that I went as, you know, when I used to go and as a kid at the Coliseum and people were like, fuck it. They started rushing the bathroom and it's like one side is to go in, the other side to exit. But yeah. people were just going in, you know, the exit on both sides. Yeah. And it ended up like, like we just got like, like, like an avalanche of people and we got stuck in there oh. and people are just trying to push their way out. And are you talking about and the, other people pushing the Memorial Coliseum? Yes, it was right there. Um, and I remember when, when we were, when shit was getting, um, when I saw that, like we were getting like, we were getting like crushed, you know, like, like people are getting pushed up against you. Mm-hmm. When that started happening, I remember I put my, I put my arms up. You know, like when the goalkeeper goes up to yeah, the school I didn't belong. Unless your name's Lachora. I lifted up my elbows because I'm like, no way, I'm going to get pinned, you know. I'm going to have my hands up and I could at least, you know, use my hands. And some dude had his hands pinned under him and somehow my elbow was like right in his chest, dude. And every time pushing them, Basically, like, hitting him. And he's getting, like, fucking pissed at me. And I'm like, the fuck? You, like, I'm not doing this on purpose, you know? Yeah, yeah it was scary. It was a scary shit, man. Fascinating behavior, man. That's, that's, <laughs> it was, dude, yeah. That's, like, why I, I, I take Ron's attitude on. I, I'm wearing my collar shirt. I ain't going to sit with no commoners. <laughs> I ain't even going to no Molero, dude. I don't even watch a Molero. That stuff's like beneath. So you got to go in a pothole. <laughs> you got to go to a quality game. But I ain't like, you see that, you see that, that foolishness of, what is it, $8,000 that these dudes paid for like the sideline to watch Messi's first oh, game? Oh, man, that's a lot. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. The one guy saying that, um, I think, it was like his birthday or something, and yeah, it was a family of like three or four. Yeah, it was him and his wife, I think a kid. Yeah, and they spent what like like nine thousand or something like that. <laughs> and, and he said something that caught my mind because he was like, "I wasn't going to be able to go watch him in Europe, right? So I could see him now." I mean, with that kind of money, you can, but I mean, I'm guessing probably immigration status or probably wasn't able to fly. But I mean, you could still take a bomb ass trip with that type of money, dude. You, could, you, you could, you know, take a week vacation and at like a five star. I mean, there's so much shit you could do that to Bro, just you watch could take the, you could take the games. whole family. For, for this guy, only paid like the last ten minutes. Yeah, his first game, he came in like at halftime or a little bit after halftime. Where, where you said you were taken to, uh, Jaime? For nine grand? Yeah. Oh, for nine grand for the whole family? Yeah, you could fly out to Europe. You could fly out to. Uh... No, but let's say it's this dirty. You probably can't. Oh. But I mean, you could still, you could still, you know, shit. hit up some cool shit. Yeah, definitely, dude. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you don't have to. He's got to be feeling bad. Like, 
okay, so say you do that. You come home. He only watched. He only played half the game. You come home. It's over. The experience is done. Yeah. You look at your. You look at your bank account, and then you're like, and then the next, the next. Okay, you look at your bank account. The next thing, you look at Twitter, and some dude says, or I think it's Martin del Palacio, or somebody says, "Look at these idiots," or like, "Look, look at these people," <laughs> like insulting them, and then your pictures on the video, dude. <laughs> yeah, you, you go on Twitter, and then you see yourself, and and you see all the comments, and everyone's calling you a donkey. <laughs> like you just, yeah. I'm doing the math. You know, you went to go see Messi. He played like, let's say, 45 minutes. That's $200 a minute <laughs> that you spent, Damn. bro. Damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, bro. I would go to Vegas, dude. And then just... go to Vegas. And then today, you go on Twitter and you see like his huge mansion. I think they, they had a video of his huge mansion that he, where he lives in Miami. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, I paid. I paid a little bit to that mansion for. <laughs> yeah, I paid for a couple of his bath towels. With <laughs> no, I, I, I get, I get it to to that extent because I was telling these guys after, like, why the Colorado Mexicans pay all this money for moleros? Because I started seeing it, um, you know, through the years. Because I mean, that's that event I was describing. That was back when Max would come play at the at the LA Coliseum and you could buy tickets $20, $25. And it was first come, first serve. There was like no reserve seating. You just had to take it and, and you sit wherever you could. And and you know, like like in more recent times you started seeing where they would put seats like kind of by where the players are. You know, they'll do like this little section and they'll have some players do a meet and greet. And they they started, you know, they started dividing the stadium in sections and, and prices. And so, I mean, I could kind of get it, but even, even for some of those people, they're still spending what? Maybe what, like $800? Yeah, dude. They're spending a lot of money for these uh, medi- mediocre matches. I know, but I still get it because maybe every now and then you want to splurge on something. Like, if I had $800, I would splurge on a game. I try to go to that fancy restaurant you went to, Jaime. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. I try to have a, the French a laundry. I try to have a top meal. That's just me. But but I, I, I get it for them because that's like a thing, like a bucket list type of thing. But man, when you get to the triple digits, like where that. Uh, you know, nine, 9K? Nah, dude, nah, man. That's, that's I would, like, for a World crazy. Cup? For a World Cup? All right. I, w- I would understand. But yeah, it would be a final. I mean, I ain't yeah, that's what I'm World saying. Cup for, like, a, <laughs> it would have to be, like, the World Cup final. It would have to be something crazy. Uh, but, you know, for a fucking League's, what was it, League's Cup game or something? It was just like, come on, bro, really? Like, you better give me the match ball. Against Cruz Azul? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It's... What the match ball is left shoe? One, one thing that I, that I thought was interesting is that uh, the U.S. also had friendlies this this uh, window, and those games did not sell out. And there was somebody on Twitter complaining that the tickets were forty five dollars. They're like, "How do they expect people to show up and the tickets are forty five dollars?" And I'm like, 
what dude like 45 dollars doesn't get gets you a standing room at a mexico game nowadays you don't even no, get a seat yeah. 45 dollars is just park. the the you fees can't park. Dude, you can't even park you can't even park for 45 dollars <laughs> <laughs> you drive in and then you gotta drive back out you, you just smell the you smell the tailgate yeah 45 dollars <laughs> you can get a fake jersey and uh and a couple hot dogs and go home but you can't go inside <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, it's crazy, bro. It's like the, you know, USA's biggest team is Mexico. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's been for a long time. Long, long time. How did they go for them, Jaime? I didn't didn't pay much attention to to the region. Um, Normally do, but. So I think the US beat Uzbekistan 3-0. And then Oh, they played them first. And then they played uh Oman today or something? I don't know how that game went. I don't really watch Our closet uh US fan is not here today. He left already. After muting himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, so I could I could ex- I could understand more now the the Mexican press meltdown over the three three tie with with Uzbekistan because because the US beat them three zero. I think the for me the most impressive thing about Uzbekistan is if you really think about it they didn't really create too many chances but they were sharp and precise with their counterattacking football and uh, they were also very smart and aware of the surface. I don't know why Chivas. Uh, I said Chivas. I don't know why I, I kept seeing Mexico try to bomb these these shots, and I'm like, dude, this is turf, man. This is a keeper's worst nightmare. If you kick it hard and low to the ground, dude, he's not gonna get there. And that's exactly what happened with Ochoa. He, you know, on the on the first or second goal, it was a beautiful shot, and it's just like he ain't gonna get that. On turf, the ball goes so quick, dude, and then the, it has like these little like mini bounces. Uh, if the if the field's not completely level, and it, it's a nightmare for goalkeepers, so you know it's it's a couple of things, man. It's just like they look so sharp for a team that no one knows anything about them. Like they they look good with the few chances that they had. Yeah, they did. For sure, folks. Well, we're at the two-hour mark, man. I want to leave you guys with some closing thoughts. Maybe, uh, Joel, you can give us your prediction on the. On the Super Classico, a draw. I'm, I'm predicting a draw, Jaime. You like to sit on the fence, huh? No, I'm thinking what what would I do if I'm foul? I'm coming off of two defeats. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a play for the draw. That's fair. Then I don't want the third one and, and to be too Jaime. That up that uphill. You know, that uphill road that's turning for Chivas is, is going to become more steep. I think a draw with the two will do good. You got players that were involved today in the national team, you know, having to come back to Guadalajara and have a couple of days to prepare for the Clásico, you know. So that's also a factor. 
Um, anything you want to say to our listeners? 400 episodes, man. It's, it's your time to shine. Me? Oh, no. Just just thank you for for listening and for being part of this. Uh, we appreciate it. Big, big reason we do the Life Spaces is to give everyone a chance to talk uh, or to say their own bit. And I, I, I've, that's what I've enjoyed when you're talking about it's been this. Um, doing it now through um, through Twitter or X um, and and you know, doing it live and having people just being a, anyone, you know, come in and and give us their take because there's always something to learn or a different take. Uh, and that's that I've, I've enjoyed that. Uh, just uh, give us a like. I'm going to beg for a crumb of likes. That's, a, that's what helps us uh, with the algorithms and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah. Cheeky, is anything you want to add before we sign off tonight? Oh yeah, the same same thing. Like any uh anyone who sees like Santina make Twitter or us on Twitter and wants to talk smack, come and do it. Uh in, in person, come and do it live in audio format. Because <laughs> it's always entertaining. Um yeah, keep it up. This is good uh Good entertainment, good fun stuff, and I'm glad to see Jaime, your energy, and Hwed, your consistency, and everyone that oh, participates. Absolutely, man. Hey, you guys have been the pioneers. I wouldn't be here without you all, so you know, it's been an honor and privilege um, you know, carrying the torch for, for Cantina Mekis, where we do have a lot of goals and ambition for the future of this podcast. Obviously, uh, the production, you know, people want to see video people want to see uh some more content so we're we're very mindful of that we're, we're working on it um you know and uh i hope that we can continue to to build the brand out uh one thing i uh, i guess you know would be a, a cool thing to announce is uh you know we've been silently working on our website and uh you know you can actually check it out now cantinamx.com uh really it's just a link to our episodes our socials and uh, we do have a little bit of merch. If you want to pick up a, a beanie or a dad hat or a sticker, you know, stick it on. I was just looking at my hydro flask and it could definitely use some more stickers. Um, so if you guys want to support us in any way, you know, head out to CantinaMX.com and, uh, and check out the merch store that we have there. It will continue to grow uh, as we grow. And I uh, want to thank the listeners for hopping on today. Special episode of 400. Um, we'll definitely try and catch you guys in the next one after the Super Classico. Maybe get a hot take after the match. So, you know, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That's where all the action goes. At us with all your comments and, and uh, hot takes. You know, if you hate the podcast, if you love the podcast, if if, uh, if you want to talk shit, just, just at us, bro. We're not scared. We're here for you. Um, but this is uh, Cantina Max signing off for the night. Thank you guys so much and take care.